Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. inclusive means ignoring and even breaking the rules just sometimes. Hello, I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. Thank you so much for all the feedback I'm getting about the book. It came out a few weeks ago. It's called If That's Leading, I'm In. And your thoughts and ideas are incredibly exciting and wonderful to wake up to, to be honest, every morning. Uh, the trouble is that mostly I go to bed thinking I want to rewrite the book based on all your feedback. But um, thank you for it all. In this series of podcast episodes, we're sort of tracking the book and picking up some of the big thinking from it. This, These particular episodes are about the things that when you're leading, you have to, you have to get good at combining, even if they do look as if they couldn't possibly combine because they're almost diametrically opposed. Last week, we talked to Kelly about um, combining both the needs of the individual and the needs of the collective. Her experience of captaining and coaching rugby teams, international rugby teams, made her perfect for that. This week, we're talking to Carolyn about combining both being inclusive and setting boundaries. Carolyn is the chief executive of a huge mental health hospital trust in in London. And she is, as you'll see, pretty fantastic on this subject. So Kelly on individual and collective. Carolyn arguably looks at an even more difficult thing to combine a really hard combining. One of the most difficult things to combine when you're leading is inclusive and boundaries. And mm-hmm. and if we say you're combining things that appear to be incompatible, oh boy, do inclusive and boundaries come across as incompatible. But I know you've done that all your life. So we're going to talk <laughs> about that, Carolyn. So just as a first, tell me why we need to be inclusive and why we yep. need boundaries as a leader. Okay. Um, so in my world, I want to be inclusive because I want to reach out to communities I'm working with and I want to bring my whole self to work uh, and into my daily life. And I need boundaries to set a framework for what I do and for how it impacts on other people. Have you ever felt deeply non-included? Yes. You yourself. Yes. And what did it make you feel like? And how did it affect how you led? Uh, well, I remember a few people making comments much earlier on in my career 
either about my uh, ethnicity, I'm Jewish, I was brought up Jewish, um, or about my sexuality. So I'm a lesbian mother and people asked where the children came from. Uh, people asked all kinds of stupid things. And apart from the fact I felt it was intrusive, I felt it was um, kind of uh, wiping out parts of who I am. And that's what I don't want to make. That's how I don't want to make other people feel. And is that expression, wiping bits of me out? Well, it made me feel not whole. I think being inclusive is actually looking at uh, wholeness of people with a W um, and it's about bringing all those different parts to bear on what you do and how you behave and what you believe in and what you what you show and what you share um, <clears throat> and I and bringing all your different parts uh, to work and as a leader I think means you're much more authentic and I've I've watched leaders I've worked in public services for 40 years and I've watched leaders who don't share their whole authentic selves and it, it it makes the words a bit meaningless somehow so I want to hear about different people's experience I want to learn about their cultures and differences and all the rest of it so there's, there's something about listening there's something about the totality of the parts um, and there's something about uh, also being humble as part of it and I'll give you another example when when I became a, a chief executive in the NHS um, there was a specific journalist who started writing about me the whole time as the lesbian chief executive. And I said to her, uh, do you always write the heterosexual chief executive when you're writing about anyone else? So that's about being visible. But that was just ridiculous. Um, you know, so she said, oh, I take your point. And she stopped doing it. Um, so you know it, it's about and that was a boundary that was me saying okay everybody knows it's not a secret it is me but you wouldn't preface anyone else with the heterosexual chief executive said blah 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 and when you're not included what you what do you do do you feel furious or yes. do you feel weak or um no, I, I, it makes me, I suppose it makes me withdraw for a minute, but actually I come out, I come out fighting and more angry. Um, so angry, well, it depends what the context is, but also wanting the other person to understand how it makes me feel. So, you know, the example with the journalist was quite productive because she didn't do it again. I, you know, I've had other examples when I've just said, you're making me feel really uncomfortable. I once said, you're incredibly ignorant, are you? Which was a bit, which was very angry. Um, and of course, didn't make that person feel good, but they were just saying stupid things. <laughs> so, you know, there's something and, about making people think, I suppose. And and that was all quite easy by the sounds of it, or probably not, but easier when you became yeah. a chief executive when you were 21 22 did it feel yeah. different um I think it, yeah I think it's like I think it's more of a wound or a sting when you're younger and you've got less kind of less well I had less defense mechanisms because I had less experience um uh being different was more unusual or maybe it wasn't but it was less spoken about I think less visible and um you, you know you just become uh, a label so, you know, everyone talking about having children and not having a, a, a man around was quite a big thing 30 years ago. And, and the first time I ever applied for a chief executive job, 
and I just had my second child, the chair of the panel told someone he wasn't having a woman who'd just come back from maternity leave. Now, that's not that long ago, you know, 30 years ago, but that was pretty commonplace. Um, so you could either challenge it or you could kind of work around it or you could um, ignore it. Those were the three options. And you went for which one? I went for deciding I didn't want to work for him for a start. Um, and I always say you pick your boss, um, but, uh, but not ignoring it. So I did say something, but I didn't fight my corner because I couldn't see the point. And all this makes you, you think, hopefully, a more inclusive leader yourself. I think so, because I think it's about, because I think it's, um, I think it's personal. I think it's, you know, what is the real authentic me? Um, I am genuinely interested in, in people. So it's about sharing a bit about me and asking people about others and being and being visible and humble at the same time. So I'm always interested in learning about what makes other people tick, whoever they are. Um, and And sometimes that's quite an emotional space to be in, I would say. Explain. Well, I think sometimes hearing people's stories, um, and there was the example of being in an East London uh, session with a lot of uh, patients going through their cancer journeys, and um, I was there as a as a chief exec by then, and then saying I really don't want to listen to some of the stories without actually responding and my emotional gut response was to say to, to respond to one woman's story which was um about her hair loss uh and she was a, a muslim woman and she was talking to me about her hair loss in the cancer journey and i said i think we should buy you the wig that you need and we did and um and lots of people said well what about the policy <clears throat> sorry and what about the procedure and blah 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 but it was a an emotional response to her as a as a woman and was that appropriate as the chief executive was it the right I, thing to do or not i think it was the right thing to do for her and it showed some humanity and lots of people said you know what about the other 20 people and i just said you know i don't think a few wigs to give people self-esteem and dignity is actually going to bankrupt the billions we spend on the NHS so it's a matter of priorities but you know she had argued it through the system and got nowhere and mine was a mine was a reaction about you know access and opportunity I think and it was it was about her and it was her opportunity and that's what she wanted more than anything else. And what's the point in being a chief executive unless you can do things like that I suppose? Well exactly exactly and um you know, at the end of the session, um, lots of people came up to me and said, you know, that that was really um, interesting what you did or inspiring. I hate that word um, or um, different. But but, you know, everyone had a view about whether it was the right thing. Um, and, and, you know, likewise, recently, when a lot of Afghani refugees arrived in London, someone gave them my phone number and I, I got literally 25 phone calls in three days and what they were saying is can you um can you help us with work well um I wasn't sure I could but I knew I had lots of jobs and uh so I just thought let's do something and I 
I got a bit of funding again because I'm the chief executive, I suppose, and I got a bit of funding. I've got a project manager, and we've got um, I think about 50 people into work and 100 people on the books, um, all different jobs across the NHS. Now I'd like to make it 500 or 5,000, but it's a start, and it's just doing something with the stories that you hear. And and uh, rumor has it that you have a monthly session with patients. Yes, I do. And um, I really like that because it's sort of, it's not, um, it's not formal. It's kind of out of the, um, out of the trust spotlight. It's about listening to people's stories. And again, often I find it very emotional, sometimes painful. And if there's a few very small things I can do as a result, then, you know, that's great. I mean, one one man said, you know, what I'd really like to do, I've spent 27 years of my 40-something years um, behind locked doors um, in different institutions. What I'd really like to do is grow tomatoes. Well, you know, there was no protocol for growing tomatoes, but I said, okay, we'll get you some, some um, pots and some compost and we'll make sure you've got some time to do it. And he's done it. And he said, you know, that no one, no one had ever sat down long enough to listen to what I really wanted. First of all, everyone talked about his life goals and his medication and his this and his that. But what he really wanted to do was grow tomatoes and great tomatoes. They are, too. And you do that for him and you do that for you, but you yeah. also do it, I think, symbolically as a leader for the people around you. Yeah, I do it because I want to say to other people, you can make a difference and you can make a change. Um, and it, it's partly a combination of heart and head. And I think that's where the boundaries come in. Um, so it's not it's not all about heart. Um, otherwise, we'd be doing nothing except, you know, growing vegetables everywhere. Um, so there has to be some formal boundaries. Um and but but you can bring your authentic heart self who you are and what you what you stand for and and i suppose the interesting thing is the link between inclusivity and boundaries and how we and being more than the um defining who you are as a person being more than the label in inverted commas because everyone gets labeled as a this or a that because the word inclusive has got a bit sort of ruined i don't know about ruined i suppose um you know any concept taken to its logical conclusion um gets a bit a, a bit ruined a bit tainted a bit yeah it sort of loses its tired loses its impact. yeah a bit a bit worn out i was gonna say you said tired yeah. um and so we've got to kind of refresh it and 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 think about what does it actually mean and what are we trying to do here? But I do think I do think symbols are important. I do think, you know, leaders who are visible and who walk about. When I first started appearing on in wards at three o'clock in the morning, I think, you know, people nearly fell off their chairs or, you know, what are you doing here? Is there a problem? Uh, but but actually now, I, you know, it's completely different five years later. I'm really welcomed with open arms. Do you want a cup of tea? Can you sit down? Can you stay? You know, and there's no kind of, is she checking up on us? So I think you can change people's expectations by 
doing things differently and and still have boundaries you know we still have structures we still you know we still work in a hierarchy lots of people do when has it been really tough to be inclusive have you ever had a colleague where you, you know your head has been shouting i've got to be inclusive i've got to be inclusive i've got to be inclusive but you've also found that you can't be inclusive on this occasion. I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, leaders are paid to make decisions. And we've all worked with people where it's so inclusive, you never get to the, to the, the decision or the conclusion. And I think that's as debilitating um, as, as, many, as not being inclusive. So, you know, hearing the discussion, listening to people, being visible, taking soundings from people outside your own echo chamber, to use the current jargon, but then saying at the end of the day, we're going to do A and B. And I think, and that's a boundary. And in my experience, people really like that because otherwise you just talk about things forever and a day. And, and how many times have we all been in meetings or discussions where we talk about things and you just think, oh, we talked about that last week and last year and probably three years ago. And it's actually not very inclusive of the most of us who actually want to achieve something. Yeah. Yeah. And you've just left people kind of at the station, um, you know, 18 months ago uh, because people think, well, they'll never make a decision about this anyway. So I can keep on doing what I want. I mean, I, I really like making decisions. And one of the people, one of the things um, some of my teams have said about me in the past is, OK, we're going to tell you something. Please don't make a decision. Just listen. Because my instinct, less so now, has always been to say, okay, we're going to go for the blue hat um, or the red book or whatever it is. And, and so, you know, managing me, people have said, you don't need to make a decision. This is just for information, which is a clear boundary for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, no, don't they? They come in occasionally say, please don't make a decision because this is my decision. I just want yeah, your absolutely. view. Absolutely. Or just want you to hear what I've got to say. Don't even want your view. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I think that's fine. I think that's fine. You know, we all find ways of kind of um, getting the best, or we should all find up ways of getting the best out of people. And that's that's one of the things about me. But I do think, you know, I do think boundaries are not all bad. They can provide structure. They can provide safety. They can provide certainty of direction um, without becoming sort of rigid. Okay, come back to boundaries in a second. One last question on inclusive. Okay. Um, sometimes you find leaders who are immensely inclusive of other people and not very inclusive of, the, of themselves. Yes. Yes. Um, so lots of people have said to me, can you talk to me, you know, offline about an aspect of my life that I don't really want shared? And I've always opened the question with, well, why don't you want it shared? And don't you think it would be quite helpful for you in your thought process, but also for other people who, you know, you may be um, a role model or a leader to? your identity as a as a parent or your sexuality or your um, 
or your ethnicity or, you know, other things like that. Um, people who said, I don't want anyone to, to know I'm whatever, this, that, you know, what my uh, background is, my family background. I've always said, well, what, you know, why not? It's nothing you can change. Um, and, and don't you think it would kind of um, resonate with some people you're talking to? So I've, you know, I've never thought it was, I've never thought it was a problem. And, and I suppose I've always, we all, you know, it's, it's a bit where you come from. Is it nature or nurture? But um, I remember skipping school to, um, to go and give money to the NSPCC, which I'd done through a, some kind of fundraising. I think I was about 12. I got back to school late. I had a detention, but, you know, and I was a bit um, sort of incensed because I'd been doing, quote, a good thing. You know, I'd done this fundraising. I, I went off to the NSPCC on the tube and I came back late and they were going to give me a detention in school. So I argued my corner for about 40 minutes and they said, you're still having a detention. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right too. And <laughs> quite right too. You know, I think I was, you were very I, proud of your detention. Did you frame it? <laughs> I, I didn't frame it, but I was, you know, I was a bit irritated that you know they weren't remotely empathetic to to what I was doing. But you know, I was being ridiculous. I was twelve years old. I was meant to be in school, but it was done from a good place, and it was, it was and it was very personal. So let's. You've referred to boundaries quite a few times. Let's just go back mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. Because, you know, there are many, many people who think that to be inclusive, you should not be putting up boundaries, putting up boundaries, setting up. Why Why do you need to? Um, because I think, uh, I think, depending where you are and what you're doing um people like safety and structure um and some kind of framing they may not always agree with it but it's sort of it makes you feel safe i think boundaries make you feel safe and i'm i'm really conscious of it um when 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 more people with neurodiversity say um, I have autism and I really like this, I, that I know what's going to happen, that there's a routine and a rhythm. And some people really like that. They really like that clarity. They don't like someone who wanders around and says, let's grow tomatoes and let me buy you a wig and all the rest of it. Um, and that's not to say it has to be a, you know, a kind of chain um, and you can vary it. But but I think people really like the safety of, of what they know. And I think, you know, my job is to get the best out of people. And so if people want some kind of structure and framework, I think that's totally fine. And, and organizations don't, don't work if, there is, if it's complete anarchy and, you know, um, nothing, nothing would happen. And there's nothing more irritating than being including, included in decisions when you haven't been told the boundaries. So actually, <laughs> you've got yeah. no input to those. You've got yeah. no input to those decisions. They're already made. This is just a bit of a fake. 
Well, I think then, and that's why inclusivity's become a bit tarnished in my view. So, you know, we look at the mix of this group and we say, you know, we have to have some women as well as men. We have to have some diverse people, you know, as well as heteronormative. We have to have some different ethnicities, et cetera, et cetera. But as you said, the decision's already been made or it's made elsewhere and actually anything you say is not particularly relevant or interesting to, to the people kind of orchestrating. So you need boundaries, but they need to be, well, it sounds like, Carolyn, you, yeah. you want boundaries, but you as a chief executive, <laughs> you want the right to be able to not stick to them. <laughs> I, I want everyone to think about whether they are worth challenging. Just because we've done something like this for the last, you know, X hundred years doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. So I want people to think about why do we do that? And, you know, could we change it? And could we listen more? And could we get views from, from people we've probably never heard before or asked? So boundaries that come under regular review. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's part of having a structure. Um, but it's not what we do so well in the NHS. Let's review this 35 page policy. That's not my review of boundaries. As I keep saying, no one reads policies anyway, and they're too long and too boring. So what is it then if, if it's not that? It, it's about thinking about what that, what that is trying to do. What's the meaning of, of that policy or that piece of work? What are we trying to do? And where are the bits that we've forgotten? And does that matter? So, you know, have we got a representative group? Is it gonna work for women as much as for men? How does staff feel when they're implementing this? Uh, has the world moved on since it was written? Uh, do we need to um, frame the whole concept differently? So all those sorts of things. In moments when you as the leader has just said, listen, I'm hearing everything you're saying, but we're doing this. Yes. This is the frame in which we're operating. Yes. This is Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, totally. I mean, when you're trying to get something done, which requires a team effort, like opening a new hospital, you have to say, I've heard everything that you've said but this is the path we're on and we are aiming to get this opened by December uh, 2019. Sometimes you've got to drive the destination as well as the journey you're on. Explain that concept. Well, you're aiming for something that everyone can get behind, but you haven't got, you've heard everyone's views about how we should get there, but actually getting there by a certain date is the key. And so you've got to get on with it. So inclusive and boundaries do combine. I, I think that I, because I think you've got to be more than the sum of the parts. <clears throat> so being inclusive is lots of different parts, lots of different voices, hopefully authenticity about what you bring to the table. And boundaries is saying you put that all into the mixer. So it's the... Um, it's the smoothie versus the fruit salad. Are you going to mix it up so much 
and and someone mentioned that to me a few weeks ago. I thought that was good. You know, are you going to mix it up so much that you end up with a complete smoothie, complete blending? Actually, I'm not sure life's like that. So you end up with a with a a big joyous fruit salad. Which which fruit will you be? <laughs> um, I'll be a raspberry because that's my favourite fruit. I'm very red, <laughs> vibrant. I could have said the cherry on top, but I don't, I've never worked for a leader that was, I've worked for some great leaders and with some great leaders, but I've never, I've never seen them as the cherry on top. I've seen them as part of the fruit salad. Carolyn, that was... That was really, do you know, all through these episodes, people say things that absolutely get stuck in my head. And the image of growing tomatoes or wearing wigs is is truly etched in my brain now. Your message that inclusive is about doing something, not just about claiming to be inclusive but actually to do something and maybe sometimes break breach break down some of the boundaries and maybe even boundaries that you've set up yourself to be inclusive and to be visible to all around you that you are inclusive and yet you make the case so eloquently and powerfully for the boundaries, for leaders to create boundaries. Um, that even if you're only creating boundaries because there are so many people who crave them, who won't really give of their best unless they have a sense of those boundaries. And Boundaries, of course, that, as you say, have to be questioned and under review, but boundaries no less. So this combination of inclusive and boundary, it continues to fascinate me. Uh, thank you, Carolyn. So next week, another impossible combination will come to. If while you're listening, you you want to talk about any of these things, I would love it. Every three weeks, I do a sort of live where um, people bring their questions, um, they share their thoughts, and they add more thinking about how women lead. Uh, the next one is on Tuesday, the 5th of December at 8 a.m. UK time. It's just so that we can pick up ideas and thoughts. Question, share and add. So do join. Do join. I'd love it if you did. But in the meantime, next week, another impossible combination is what we'll unpick. In the meantime, sending much love, Julia. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org.
Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in.